here's the great thing. The great thing about confronting our challenges is that we can face them with some victories that we know we've already got under our belt. Just think of the trials that you have experienced so far in your life with success. You've graduated from your mama's womb, amen, and you graduated and successfully adjusted to life in kindergarten. You graduated from infancy and successfully uh, went on to early elementary. You graduated from being a child and you have successfully navigated your early teen years. You graduated from high school or college and now you must begin to travel the road of adulthood. You've done it with great success, graduates. But how can you be assured that you will continue to succeed? Today we're going to take a look at some guidelines from God's Word that provide us with guidance for graduates. But it's interesting that this guidance for graduates also fit every one of our lives. There all can be guidelines for us all to follow so that we can graduate, as it were, successfully. We've all been there. We've all been there. Our hearts begin to beat rapidly. There's a shortness of breath. Your mouth gets dry. You have difficulty swallowing. Your knees get weak. Your hands get clammy. And you've never been so hot in all your life. What I've just described are some of the ways that our bodies react when we're getting ready to speak in public for the first time. Now, I didn't tell our graduates this, but I'm going to ask them to come forward and give a speech to you. Okay? So if our graduates would come forth and give us a speech. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't be panicking on me. Amen. They just experienced a little bit about what I'm talking about. Huh? Those deer in the headlights, right? Uh, wow, wow. See, one of the greatest hazards of success is fear. Fear. So whether you're speaking in public for the first time or you're moving into a new phase of your life for the first time, one thing that we need to do is address our fear. Now, I know that all fear is not bad, but you would have to admit that everyone knows what it's like to be afraid from time to time. When fear stops us in our tracks and stops us from pursuing forward that which God has called us to do. When we do that, it's said that we are dominated by the spirit of fear. That kind of fear that paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward. With that in mind, your first guideline to success is face your fears. Face your fears. Repeatedly, the Bible tells us to fear not. Once Jesus said, fear not, they who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. The angel said to the woman at the tomb, Fear not, for I know Jesus whom you seek, who was crucified. Guess what? He's not here. He is risen. 
after that great catch of fish, the disciples were absolutely astonished, and Jesus said to them, Fear not. From now on, you will catch men. But I like this verse in 2 Timothy because it was written to a young man, not unlike myself. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Maybe he was a little bit older than our graduates today, but he was a young man nonetheless. He was a, a young pastor, actually, and the Apostle Paul was Timothy's mentor. Now, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, Paul encouraged Timothy not to be intimidated because of his young age. Timothy was afraid, you see, because he lacked the skills he thought was necessary to be a successful pastor. But then in his second letter to Timothy, Paul reminded him that any fear in his life did not come from God. For God did not give us, in 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, friends, when we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, God's Spirit actually took up residence in our life and provided us with the power and the courage that we need to overcome our fears. I mean, think of this. If God is in control, who can come against us? Right? If God is in control, who can come against us? God has given us the ability to do what life demands, the ability to love when other people hate, the ability to be under control when everybody else is out of control. He's given us that ability. Max Licato says it this way. Listen carefully. He says, fear does not want you to take that journey up the mountain. Fear, if it can rattle you enough, will persuade you to take your eyes off the victory of the mountaintop and settle for a dull existence in the valley. Graduates, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, don't settle. Don't settle for a dull existence in the valley. Instead, move toward the mountaintop and the victory that lies therein. You know, when seniors move away from home, sometimes fear might try to settle in. Think about the things that come against a senior graduate. They're going for this job interview. And you know what? Your nerves can get a little rattled. Not having any friends who care about you, that can be a little bit unsettling. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. He's not giving you, seniors, a spirit of fear. Instead, it is God's will that you move from fear to confidence. Move away from fear and move toward confidence. 
You are called, my friends, to live courageously, to live trusting that God's plan for your life will work out for the best. Even though you're young, even though you're inexperienced, even though you might be a little afraid, I want you to know that you can trust God's plan. You know, God will use your life. He can use your life, but you must be willing to face your fears. Because many things will come against you trying to cause you fear. Think of these. Saying yes to Jesus Christ when you're on campus. That takes courage. That's a courageous thing as you face your fear of being stereotyped. Saying yes to a godly lifestyle in the job market. That's a courageous thing. Facing your fear of ridicule amongst your co-workers. Saying no to drugs and the party lifestyle that I'm telling you, you will be invited to. It's a courageous thing as you face the fear of being alone. Staying in a marriage that's hit a dead end when all of your expectations have not been fulfilled. You know what? It's a courageous thing. You need to face that fear. Saying yes. Yes to honesty. Yes to integrity. Especially in the classroom. That's a courageous thing. Especially when you're faced with the fear of making a bad grade. In fact, you know what? I think that the biggest battle that our seniors face is this battle for honesty. Because if you think about it, dishonesty is rooted in fear. If you fear getting a bad grade, you just may cheat. Let us not be rooted in dishonesty. I got an illustration for you that describes that. A rancher asked a veterinarian for some free advice. The rancher came up and said, Doctor, I've got a horse that walks normally sometimes and walks with a limp sometimes. What should I do? And the veterinarian said, the next time that he walks normally, sell him. That's an honesty problem that is all too prevalent in our world today. Dishonesty seems to be the norm. It takes courage to be honest on a resume. It takes courage to be honest and not cheat on exams. It takes courage to be fair in all of your business dealings. But I want you to know today, seniors, that you can face your fear. Face your fear of getting a poor grade or not getting a job or losing a profit or something like that. Knowing this, that God has promised the necessary power, the necessary love, and the necessary soundness of mind so that you can get the job done without a fear of being alone.
God will grant you those things. I read a test uh, from a university where 10 students were put in a room. 10 students and three lines of varying lengths were drawn on a card. The students were told to raise their hands when the professor pointed at the longest line. But beforehand, nine of the ten students were told to raise their hand at the second longest line. So what does that mean? That means that one of the students was a stooge. One of the students was being pumped. Amen? The usual reaction of that guy being punked, that stooge, was to put his hand up when the professor pointed at the long line, then to look around and to pull his hand back down. In fact, 75% of the time in elementary school through high school, the stooges did the same thing. Researchers concluded that many people would rather stand with the majority being wrong rather than stand alone being right. Seniors, now's the time. Now is the time. Now is the time for you to face your fears. Now is the time to face your fears squarely in the firm confidence of God and never, ever take your cues from the crowd. And if fears don't keep you from navigating life, then I know what might. An improper response to your failures might keep you from navigating life properly. So I want to encourage you, not only do you face your fears but I want to encourage you to forget your failures. Now, this passage in Philippians chapter 3 is normally a great New Year's passage. But today, it really applies to our graduates. Think of the background of this verse. Paul is in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's not in the best condition He's not in the best of conditions. And this is what he writes. Not that I have already attained this. That is, not that I'm already completely mature. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting those things which are behind. And this is a good thing, because Paul made a bunch of mistakes, including persecuting Christians. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, with this goal in mind, I strive. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, you need to know that, that Paul had gotten a scholarship. He had gotten a scholarship to the God University, and he had enrolled in Christ-likeness 101. He wanted to become more like his Savior. He wanted to become more like Jesus. And so in his classes, he realized that he was going to refuse to allow his failures to destroy his life. He refused to allow his failures 
to keep him from his goals. Man, I want to know, what was his secret? What was Paul's secret? Here it is. He puts his past behind him, determined that he's going to keep the best attitude possible through every phase of his life. The past has got to go behind. Yeah, there's going to be failure. There's going to be failure. None of us are perfect. And in fact, the only ones who never do anything wrong are the ones that are never doing anything. So we're all going to be failing it from time to time. It's not if we fail, it's when we fail. We're all going to fail. And when we fail, we do have to learn from it, but we've got to put it behind us. We've got to put the past behind us and never, ever allow that failure to make you quit trying. Keep trying. In the middle of World War II, Great Britain's Prime Minister Winston Churchill was asked to address the graduates of that college. Dressed in his finest suit, with a big fat cigar in his hand and a walking cane and a top hat, he began walking up to the podium. And as he finally got to the podium, looking very dignified, he settled the crowd down and asked them to be seated. Churchill gazed at that waiting audience. He removed the cigar from his mouth. He took the top hat off of his head, and he looked at them. And he said three words. Never give up. Never give up. And with that, he put his cigar back in his mouth, his top hat back on his head, stabled himself on his walking cane, and walked off the podium. And that was his commencement address to the graduates of Oxford University during World War II. Never give up. Never give up. To reach the goal that Paul talked about, that goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, we must follow one final guideline, and that is this. Follow your faith. Graduates, if there's anything else I can tell you that will guide you through your life, it's this last guideline. Follow your faith. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were having an awfully hard time. They were being persecuted for their faith, and they were struggling. Their devotion to the Lord Jesus was being uh, wavering because they were going through a hard time. And the writer of that book tells those Hebrew Christians to never give up. Never give up. That there are others who have been victorious in their Christian walk. And because others have been victorious, 
so can you. And in chapter 12, verse 1, he wrote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if you listen carefully, you can hear them. They're cheering you on. They're rooting for you. They want you to be successful. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight. Get rid of the sin that so easily besets us. That is, clear out the clutter. Get rid of the junk in your life. And run with endurance the race set out for you. Graduates, let me tell you this. Following your faith is not a game for the weak. Following your faith takes hard work. Following your faith takes great effort. And you're going to have to run that race with endurance. You're going to have to hang in there and follow your faith. And in verse 2, he tells you how to do that. Listen carefully. Here's how you do it. Here's how you follow your faith, even in the midst of hard times. He says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Look up. If you're going to run this race with endurance, you're going to have to have your focus on Him. He's your reference point. He's the originator. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before Him endured. There that word is again. He endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and has taken His seat at the right hand of God. How do I do it? How do I follow my faith? Verse 3, think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners. Think of him so that you may not grow weary and give up. You know, I went to watch and cheer at several of Madison's cross-country meets. And as I went to those cross-country meets, there was one thing I noticed uh, about all the runners. All the runners at those cross-country meets had the same focal point. Do you know what those runners were focused on? It wasn't the runner in front of them. It wasn't the runner beside them or the runner behind them. What do you think their focal point was? The finish line. They were all focused on the finish line. In your spiritual race, you need a focal point. You need a place of focus. Let me give you another example. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you are completely lost, the first thing you ought to always do is find out which way is north. I don't know if it's just a, 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 a sixth sense I have, but for some reason, I always know which way is north. 
And if you're completely lost and you know which way is north, true north, then you can always navigate yourself out of trouble. On the sixth day of that ill-fated Apollo 13 mission, the astronauts in that vessel needed to make a course correction, a serious course correction. But to make that course correction, they had to conserve power. And so they turned off the onboard computers that steered the vessel. How in the world were they going to steer without the computer? To make things worse, in order to get them back to Earth, they had to conduct a 39-second burn of the main engines in order to make that correction. How in the world were they going to steer that vessel for 39 seconds without the steering computer? Astronaut Jim Lovell determined that if there was some way he could peek out that little bitty window and pick out a fixed spot in space, that maybe he could steer it manually. And so what he did is he picked out his focal point. It happened to be their destination, the planet Earth. And for 39 agonizing seconds, Jim Lovell kept the planet Earth in that tiny little window while they went through that, that engine burn. By not losing sight of his focal point, by not losing sight of his destination, all three of those astronauts avoided disaster. Scripture tells us as Christians, in order for you to fulfill your life mission successfully, you have got to face your focal point. You have got to be focused on your focal point. If you don't, you will get off course. You will end up in the ditch. You will end up lost. And you will lose your bearings. You must Keep your focal point. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Do you know that's why so many Christians quit coming to church? That's why so many Christians return to the old man. Because they took their eyes off Jesus. What the world has to offer you is not good for you. You must keep your focal point the author and perfecter of your faith. For Christians, our focal point is always, say always, our focal point is always Jesus Christ. Always. 
There's a lot of things in this world that we can be flexible about. There's a lot of things that we might can even compromise about. But the one thing, and, and, and seniors, listen to me. The one thing that you cannot compromise is the true north of your Savior, Savior, Jesus Christ, and His teachings as your focal point. Do not budge. Keep Him as your focal point. It's so easy to get distracted. I'll bet you that there are at least 60 people in this room right now that can give you a testimony of what happens when you take your eyes off Jesus. Your pastor's one of them. Who for 18 years took his eyes off Jesus. And he floundered around doing worldly things. Why? Because I took my eyes off Jesus. Isn't it incredible that a message designed for graduating seniors has so much application for every single one of us in this room? Don't lose sight of your focal point. Don't lose sight of your destination. Focus your life. Remove the junk. Remove the obstacles. And the sin that so easily besets you. How in the world can I do that, Brother Bill? Tie in. Tie in to a local church and don't you ever let go. If you move off to school somewhere, the first thing you ought to do after you enroll in school is tie in to a local church. And don't you ever let go. Tie in. Become a, a part of the, who they are. Become a part of their ministries. That's another reason why so many Christians end up floundering about in the world. They say, oh, I've done church before. You ever heard that I've done church. When you ask somebody that's like that and you say, well, well how come you, you, you're not going to church? They say, oh, I already went. Amen? I went. I went once. But let me tell you something they didn't do. They didn't get involved in what Jesus was doing in that church. They didn't get involved in the lives of children who were going to celebrate tonight. They didn't get involved in the, the lives of teenagers, the lives of seniors, the lives of, of the less fortunate. They didn't get involved in the lives of the needy. They didn't get involved in sharing the gospel. They didn't get involved in growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. They didn't get involved. And so they come in one day, and they made a U-turn and left the same day, and they left unchanged. And their life ended up in the ditch. How can you avoid that? 
keep your focus. Remove the trash and tie in to a local body of believers. Your greatest challenge, people, your greatest challenge in life is to follow your faith focused on Jesus. And when you stop doing that, you're opening up yourself for a whole lot of trouble. That's the voice of experience talking to you. Follow your faith focused on Jesus. Face your fears. Forget your failures. Follow your faith. Seniors, with all kidding aside, I'd like to, to ask you seniors to come to the front, if you would. Come on, guys. And as you come forward, I want you to think of something for me. I want you to think, is my life with the Lord Jesus everything that I know it should be? Is my life with Jesus everything that I know that it should be? Your church is getting ready to pray for you. And your pastor is going to be praying over you. And during this prayer time, I want you to challenge yourself. You've been through a great challenge of 12 years of high school and you're heading into college or into the job market or wherever. And you're going to be facing some challenges. But have you examined yourself to see if you've got what it takes to face those challenges that lie ahead for you? Are you facing your fears? Are you forgetting your failures? Are you following your faith? If you would, just come here in the front. Right here. Here we go. I'm going to stand behind you. And church, I'm going to pray for them. And you pray with me, okay? Father in heaven. I thank you for these that have given much effort not only to graduating from high school but Lord also plugging in and becoming a part of the ministry here in this church. Father as they go into the job market or into a college education many things will face them. Things that they haven't faced yet. And Lord, I ask you to supply them with the power, the love, and the soundness of mind that will enable them to face their fears with power, with love, and with the soundness of mind that they need. Father, I pray that you'd watch over them, that you would help them to be an active and vital part of the church that they belong to. That, Lord, it's not just about Sunday morning. It's about them tying in and doing the work of Jesus Christ here in this place. Father, thank you for such a precious, precious ones that we honor this morning. Lord, bless them, guide them, and protect them in the days and months and years ahead. And use them for your glory in Jesus' name.
And all the people of God said,